Welcome to Security Architecture Podcast, where we help cybersecurity professionals to stay ahead of the curve and ensure they are successful in their cybersecurity journey. Hi, I'm Evgeny. Hi, I'm Dimitri. We have a pleasure to have Jack from Talon today. Jack, can you please tell us about yourself and the company? Jack Britton, the Director of Sales Engineering at Talon. We're here to bring the secure browser-based workspace to the world. So Jack, tell us uh, what's the name of the offering or the product that's addressing the remote browser or browser isolation? Yeah, so the name of the product is Talon Word. Jack, we are podcast about architecture, so we definitely want to learn about the architecture. We know there's a browser, but there's probably other components that are taken into account to make sure it's secure and providing the security functionality for the end user. Yeah, so we took the browser that most people know and love and we integrated it with our patent security mechanisms. Um, so Talonwork is a Chromium-based browser. Um, so why is that important? I mean, you know, Chrome is 99% Chromium. There are other browsers that make up sort of the majority of the market space um, that are Chromium-based browsers like Edge and Brave and Opera. Um, so we did that because we wanted to deliver security to the business without compromising user experience to the end user. Um, so by doing this, it means that on one hand, everything you would experience with a Chromium browser remains the same. But then, you know, so we're going to be able to deliver multi-operating system support coverage. You're going to be familiar with the user experience. The rendering engines are going to be similar. The, the way extensions are handled are going to be similar. But on the other hand, TalentWorks unique because we deliver an enterprise-grade security browser that has zero network complexity to the business and will deliver faster deployments. We'll be able to deliver security updates quicker to the endpoints. And we do have a, a SaaS management console to control all the browsers distributed across the enterprise. Talon is also recognized as the only Chromium contributor in our category, browser-based security for enterprise. Interesting. So what you're saying is that you took a known browser, which is Chromium, and then you extended its functionality and infused it with security features, help you uh, secure the work of anyone or browsing of the internet. I have a question. If you do that, what kind of backend and cloud do you need to support such a operation at scale? Yeah, sure. So the backend, our SaaS management platform is really where your policies are going to get pushed down to the endpoint. That's where our customers are going to be able to say, hey, we can see our data in the SaaS environments. We can see movement of data from unsanctioned applications, SaaS applications to sanctioned applications, and they can start to tighten their policies so that their expected behavior, people interacting with their data is enforced by the browser on the endpoint. Uh, so what does that require? Obviously, management console on the back end, data being stored on the back end. And that data is going to be all the packets that you would expect from a telemetry perspective that a security operations team uh, would need to leverage in order to use that data to protect the company. Usually, you, you're actually interacting with, with a stream of images that you're clicking on. It sounds that your approach is slightly different than that. And I would really want to understand what's the user experience that any user will have, especially with single page applications that are very common these days. 
Yeah, I mean, so because the foundation of our solution is based on Chromium, I mean, the user experience is going to be seamless. There's going to be no latency and even privacy impacts are one of the things we considered in uh, our design, right? Um, so why is that? Well, maybe you have an unmanaged device, you get a third-party contractor, maybe overseas, and they need access to your data, which is in the cloud. You want to make sure that when your enterprise browser is actually on their endpoint, uh, you only see what's happening within the scope of that browser. So Talonwork, again, Chromium-based browser, uh, the experience should be no different than any other Chromium-based browser, provided actions are permitted by the company policy. Not to be mistaken for an RBI, right? We don't have like that cloud plane that's where DOM rewriting takes place on reverse proxies or we're pixel pushing back to the user what they should see in a, in a browser. We are designed the way we are because we want to make sure that we can deliver telemetry and control to the business uh, without impacting user experience on the end. We know that there is many vulnerabilities that have been found in the Chrome browser. Having Chromium-based solution means that you're running this browser at multiple users, multiple locations. And the way how we've done in Chrome, right, you, you get this little pop-up on the right side of the screen at the top corner and tells you, hey, you need to upgrade. No, it will not update itself, right? How are you actually keeping up your solution up to date with the zero days that's coming from Chromium Engine? So Dimitri, first of all, your proof that uh, our, our solution is something that people are familiar with, right? So your question is really going to be around, hey, how are you keeping up the zero days that are specific to the Chromium-based browser? But when you hear that Chrome, like Google Chrome has a zero day, what they're really saying is a Chromium has a zero day. And so what ends up happening is we'll actually pick up that patch. We'll actually run it through our uh, testing pipeline. If all the functionalities are as they should be, what ends up happening is we can actually either A, that update button is on the top right-hand corner. It's up to the customer. They can push it. Or B, if the company decides to automatically update uh, that browser, they can absolutely enforce that as well. Excellent. So you do have a force update for that matter. We do. You mentioned about policy. Maybe you can elaborate a bit more. What do you mean by policy? Can I block Facebook? Can I block upload files? Yeah, absolutely. So policy, I, I remember being a consultant and solving this problem. And the problem is, hey, you know, we don't know what SaaS applications we have today. And we don't know how people are interacting with the data across those SaaS apps. So what a lot of customers will do is they'll buy CASB, but then they still are left to having to go out and discover what it is they have. So the first thing we do is discovery. That based on that discovery, we can move to policy. So things like, hey, um, we're going to allow people to be able to download on sanctioned apps, but they're not allowed to upload on unsanctioned apps. So think uh, lateral movement of data from corporate uh, or enterprise uh, SaaS applications to my personal Gmail account or to my personal Box account. You're going to be able to see that in our browser. It, not only can you see that, but you can actually control the path to that data uh, through conditional access and policy. So let's say that you're part of a role, maybe I'm a call center individual, and I have uh, privilege to certain SaaS applications. Uh, in order for you to actually get access to that SaaS tenant, you actually have to have the browser, which will authenticate and give you access to that tenant. Even though I, you have credentials, if you don't have the browser, you're not getting access. We could see all the things. We could prevent screenshots. We could do session recording. We can, we can actually do URL blocking. You've got extensions. We can see that. You can put policies on where the extension is allowed to be used from read and write. So we have anything you think of on the, on the endpoint from a browser perspective. You mentioned authentication. Sure. So I'm guessing I can use Okta, Azure MFA, or any other of the popular single sign-on 
to connect and authenticate or how does it work? Yeah, absolutely. So if you've got Okta and Azure uh, or one login, we have a path that we control that our browser, when we provision it to you, will have the ability to authenticate through that path. And then from there, we'll leverage Okta for conditional access. Once you have authenticated, the browser works like any other browser, except for we deliver telemetry to the business control and the ability for your end users to experience great user experience. Okay. What if I'm going to a website that has malware? Describe the isolation part. How does it actually work? Yeah, that's a great question. So again, browser, we're isolated within our process. But one of the things that we do is anything that's being downloaded is actually encrypted. So if you go to a, like a drive-by website, you download a file object, that file object's encrypted, good luck. That individual may not actually have the ability to decrypt that file. So they're not gonna be able to run that binary on the endpoint. Why is that important? Well, let's say you have an unmanaged device uh, and it's a third-party contractor, or maybe you're in merger and acquisition. You're not gonna want someone to be able to access your data, write it to disk, put it on a USB and run off. So you have the ability to control, hey, everything must be encrypted and individuals in certain roles are allowed to decrypt and you should be able to track all of those actions. That way you can keep up with where your data is going from SaaS app to endpoint. So what you're saying is that you're authenticating the user, you create for him the encryption key for the specific file that only your cloud knows and this file can only be decrypted with this key when needed in, if the user has the authorization to see this file. That's correct. And that's policy driven. Um, when it comes to key management, that's really important, right? So we can do shared tenant. We know the risk behind shared tenant key management, right? We could do each individual user has their own unique key, or we could do bring your own key, which I think is what we all try to achieve, especially when we're doing business in the cloud. Nice. Let's get to the next question. How would your technology work with existing SWG, Secure Web Gateway Solutions, or existing ZTNA vendors? Does it replace them or it complements these solutions? Yeah, that's a great question. On the topic of Secure Web Gateway, ZTNA, uh, we can work with any existing ZTNA and Secure Web Gateway solution. Uh, by enriching the company's telemetry from the security prism of a browser. So in some cases, we could be a replacement. Really depends on the customer's requirement. So TalentWork provides Swig functionality out of the box. Uh, there's no need to deploy certificates or any other form of TLS termination because TLS sort of starts and stops with the browser. We could see all those packets. TalentWork provides that zero trust kind of functionality too uh, for both access to the services, even access to data on the endpoint itself. How does it ties into NIST 80207? If you're trying to achieve zero trust as a business, it's all about having telemetry, being a consumer of data, automating input for uh, the purpose of resiliency, reducing impact ultimately for the company. Uh, so we give you that telemetry of what your users are doing with your data on your SaaS apps, and even in some of your internal apps. And we're gonna give you what a person does uh, in that browser, how they're interacting with your data, what sites they may be going to that may be risky. All of that telemetry can be used to, to enrich uh, the data in your SIM, but to be consumed by your SOAR and ultimately uh, be leveraged within your zero trust policy engine to automate resiliency. Follow-up question on that part. Can you prevent user opening the browser if he's not authenticated user? One of the things our, our browser does is actually posture management. And let's say that uh, an organization says, hey, we've got some really sensitive data. It's in a, in a SaaS app or an internal app somewhere. And they go out and they deliver their browser. 
some bad guy takes the browser. One of the things that they can say is you must have a certificate that belongs to the company. And if you don't have that certificate, regardless of whether you've got the credentials and you have the browser itself, that might be a conditional access policy whereby you are not able to access that data without it. And can you prevent other browsers to be opened? Um, that's, a, that's a great question. On unmanaged devices, that's not something that's in the use case, right? So an unmanaged devices, that user is going to be able to use all their other browsers to get access to their data. But when it comes to your enterprise data, they're not going to be able to access that data without your browser. That's their only path into your data. Now, at an enterprise uh, company, managed devices, you not only can control the path, so that doesn't matter that they use the other browsers, uh, but you could, if you decided to mature over time, hey, this browser is ours, we're going to brand it as ours. Uh, you could prevent the use of other browsers so that that Talon browser is what you're leveraging in order to achieve telemetry. When we were talking about secure web gateway in DNA, so if I'm in the office and I have Talon browser, but there is still a proxy secure web gateway or a firewall on my pass, but also doing QR filtering or doing something, how do we work together? That's a good question. So if you've got, if you have a proxy, the browser itself actually has a proxy built in. So it's at that point when we do our due diligence uh, that we're going to have to build in the logic so that our browser recognizes where it's at from a networking perspective and is dynamic enough to actually work with your HTTP proxy as well. I guess I'm wondering, is your traffic from your browser, I guess it's encrypted, so maybe the proxy will not able to do anything or it will be blind for the proxy. Or let's say I'm blocking Google on my proxy, but you allow Google, would it be blocked? Depends on the path. So if you are... If your browser is allowed out, just like all the other browsers, then potentially not because you're going to be out of band to that inline uh, appliance. Uh, but if you actually apply the proxy to your browser like you would any other Chromium browser, uh, then inline, I believe that appliance would actually block Google from actually reaching the browser itself. Okay, so my inline, not even the proxy, my inline policy on my firewall, for example, will still be applicable to Talon if it's That's meet right. the criteria. That's correct. Of course, if it's encrypted or not encrypted, I'm guessing it would depend on the type of traffic, if they can open it or not. That's correct. Can you support legacy web-based applications, the ones that, for example, rely on Internet Explorer 8? I haven't come across Internet Explorer 8 yet. Um, actually, we see this a lot in the financial sector. Uh, we've come across IE 11 apps quite a bit, right? Um, and so the Chromium browser actually has some utility that allows for that backward capability. And... One of the things that we'll do is we'll actually leverage an extension. That extension can inject a user agent. That user agent will help us render that app so that it works uh, as it should. You mentioned URL filtering and you have categorization. So the isolation part only happening on the one that you decide are potentially dangerous or how is this working? Yeah, so kind of like uh, kind of like a secure web gateway, uh, we have intelligence through the browser, right? So we can protect against anti-phishing. Uh, we're going to be able to protect against a uh, certain infrastructure that is known by the threat intelligence community as being malicious to the end user. And then encryption is just an added layer on top of that. So if something gets around that intelligence feed, anything that gets downloaded stays contained within the browser. I'm assuming since it's Chromium browser, editing documents or graphic design, web-based applications shouldn't be an issue. On top of that, as you mentioned, you also encrypting anything that's been downloaded from the internet. Can you extend more about this capability? Let's start with uh, data in the browser. You know, some of the, the other problems we're trying to solve is lateral movement of that data, so copy and paste. So you'd imagine, you know, 
something like a pandemic happens and everyone panics, right? And so what ends up happening is an employee might decide I'm going to run off with this data. So they'll copy data from the text itself. They'll attempt to paste it somewhere else. Uh, we encrypt or we just don't allow it. So let's just say they go out of band and go to paste bin. Uh, that may be against company policy. Sorry, can't do that. Or you copy and you move outside the process of the browser itself. Uh, I'm going to paste this into OneNote or uh, Notepad. Sorry, we don't allow it unless it's a sanctioned app. When it comes to encryption, we, we, we can encrypt all files as they get downloaded. And then if you decide across sanctioned apps or based on your policy, unsanctioned apps, really up to you, we'll actually automatically decrypt that file. Let's say that I, I'm, a, I'm a sales guy. I've taken something from OneDrive and I need to put it into Salesforce. The browser actually handles all that for you. And we'll go beyond that too. So another great use case as far as our capability is let's say that you've got GDPR, you have a call center and they, uh, the call center employees are of that particular role that shouldn't have access to certain data because we are the browser, we can automatically mask that data for you based on your policy. And then you could say, hey, I want a certain uh, group to have the ability to unmask the policy. You'll be able to see all the clicks. They go to our browser, they go to the top, they say, hey, I need to see this data unmasked. And all of a sudden they can see the data. So that's just scratching the surface of our capability. So you have built-in DLP. It's kind of like a built-in DLP, yeah. You mentioned BYOD a couple of times. Can you elaborate more about the support for BYOD and maybe mobile devices as well? Yeah, sure. So part of uh, the reason behind forking Chromium is we want to be able to deliver you know, remote access to work anywhere to everyone on every device. BYOD, BYOPC, we've started today with Bring Your Own PC. So we're going to support Windows. We're going to support Linux. We're going to support Mac. We're moving toward iOS and Android. We expect to see that at some point. So Jack, tell me please how the organization that's using a product can get visibility or report about prevented attacks or risks by the browser itself. Yeah, Talentwork has a full-fledged management console. Security alerts and events uh, are recorded. The events can be actually exported to SIM or a log management system as long as it accepts JSON standard format. Inside of our portal, an admin or an investigator can actually go through and actually see, you know, either by group or by user, who's going to what app, what sanctioned app versus what unsanctioned app. You know, one of the things I remember uh, as a, a security operations team member is doing investigations on firewall logs and looking at like byte count as an indicator of compromise of data exfiltration from inside a network to the external portion of the network, right, the internet. Uh, so we'll, we do something that's kind of very similar in the sense that because we can see all your SaaS applications, one portion of our, our dashboard will actually have the byte count of downloads and uploads by individual across sanctioned and unsanctioned apps. So that's important, especially if you know, people see an event or, or, or you know, feel like their position in a company uh, may be changing. You know, that company definitely wants to, to use that as a way to protect their intellectual property from leaving. In a previous discussion, you mentioned that customers have to authenticate and they're not able to use a different browser. Can you describe if I want to go to Office 65 or want to go to Salesforce, how does it actually working or even to Facebook? Yeah, so there's many, many use cases here. So let's say that I'm, I'm Jack, new to the company, and I want to access the data that's in uh, the, the company's SaaS applications, maybe even some of their internal environment. So what I'll do is I'll go to Office 365. I'll do it in my regular everyday browser. Maybe it's Firefox, maybe it's Google, right? Google Chrome. 
And I'll go to Office 365, put in my, my username with the domain, I put in my password, and it asks me for multi-factor authentication because we're getting, you should have that. Um, at, the next thing it does, and again, many ways to control the user experience, it'll say, I'm sorry, you can't get access to this. You must download the Talon browser. So at the very bottom of that box, there'll be a link. If I click that link, uh, and what ends up happening is you'll see that executable downloads to our machine. It's at that point that I'm able to download the Talon browser, just like any other browser. And it's at that point I would go to Office 365 within the Talon browser to get access to that data. Jack, where is the security control happening? Is this happening with your IDP provider or where exactly is trigger the download of the Talon browser? Yeah, sure. So there's a little bit of secret sauce in this, but when we provision the browser to our customer, there's some uniqueness in that particular customer's browser so that when they are authenticating to the IDP, uh, we control the path to that IDP based on their policy. And it's at that point, we'll leverage conditional access for uh, other policy enforcement. Jack, you also mentioned that you can actually white label the browser for the company. We've, we've had some customers ask us about this. Uh, we've had um, uh, financial institutes that, you know, they built a, a browser application. They're like, hey, we would like to have this, you know, white labeled as our company, leverage it for our customers. We, we want to be able to facilitate that. We've had companies that have uh, third-party agents delivering their, their product. And they've told us, we'd like the browser as a single session type browser where in order for those third-party agents to get access to our data, we want to see it and we want to be able to control it. We want to be able to facilitate that. You mentioned that you guys do support browser extensions like LastPass, WebEx, just kind of confirming the idea. Yes, we do. So if the company's policy allows it, you can expect that experience to be the same as any Chromium browser that you've leveraged in the past. Uh, the big difference is, is our customers are going to be able to have control. So they could see who the individual is. They could see what extensions they've downloaded. We will automa- uh, automatically uh, deny download of like Fireware if it's known by the Threat Intel community as an extension. Uh, but the corporation can actually say, hey, look, for this individual, they're allowed to use that extension, but only on these two apps. Or they're allowed to read from this extension, but not write. You have very granular control from a policy. So can I push and say everyone in my company have LastPass or I don't want anyone to download a particular extension for Grammarly, for example? Yeah, that's a great question. So push, I don't have an answer for for push, but for deny, absolutely. Uh, If you decide you want to deny to an entire organization, a very specific extension, you can absolutely do that. You can even do it down to, to roles. Maybe certain roles are allowed to use certain extensions, but other roles should not be allowed to use certain extensions. No, Jack, what is my dream is that every single employee that gets a laptop in my company has LastPass pre-installed. Yeah, 100%. 100%. I I agree with that. I think that, um, you know, unfortunately, in this day and age, our uh, adversaries have gotten really smart, right? So extensions are a great way to steal even generated passwords in a browser. Uh, we provide some of those protections in, in our browser, keeping up with their their TTPs. I have one last question before we're done with the official part. If I understand correctly, I can create a policy with my IDP to not allow people to connect to Amazon without the browser. That's correct. I and mean, you could do it down to a role. So 
I'll give you, it's sometimes stories are easier, right? So I'll give you a use case here. I, I had a CISO call and the CISO said, hey, um, there's some things happening overseas. We're concerned about our data, this third party that has access uh, to our data overseas. Is there a way that we can control their path to our data and see all the things that they're doing? And the answer was yes. They brought, they have their own IDP. Um, uh, and as long as employees or the third party's identities are associated with that IDP, we can provision them apply a group, and then control their path to those tenants. Jack, thank you. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure to have you here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you, Jack. Please remember to subscribe to our podcast and join us for our next episode.